Hello, horror fans. It's me, Cassandra, and Zane. And today we're without Kylie, but um, we're sending love and light. Um, thank you, everyone, for the um, extreme support you showed for our co-host. For those of you who didn't know, our co-host, unfortunately, tragically lost her mother. And we are um, just the two of us right now while she is dealing with obviously the sudden loss so thank you for everyone who reached out and has been a super supportive we appreciate it um as you know we're all a family so um kylie's like our sister well she is our sister and um sister from another mister yeah um but it you know it we when she hurts we hurt that's kind of where i was going with it but today yeah it's the two of us, and we're talking about one of my favorite subjects. One. Two. It's your favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're talking about Dracula 2000. For those of you who have not been obsessed with Dracula 2000 like me, um, Dracula 2000 was a release by the Weinstein Company. Um, like we've said in previous videos, the Weinstein Company kind of was rocking it down with the horror genre in the 90s and the early 2000s. That does not mean that in any way we, we are support or condone yeah. the practices of the individuals that were involved. Yeah, this movie is few and far between. And um, I think this is one of those movies that was kind of, if you blink, you missed it. A lot of people discounted it because... It was supposed to be a new, fresh take on Dracula. And I think people were still really jiving with the Francis Ford Coppola version, which I understand. But um, I feel like this does have a lot more to offer. And we're definitely going to get into it. If you have not seen this movie and you want to do proper justice by deep diving with us, there are people who do do that. Um, hit the stop button right now. Head over to HBO Max where Dracula 2000 is currently streaming. Um, so it is, I think it's like 93 minutes. So it's an easy watch, um, moves pretty quickly, and it's got Gerard Butler, which again is one of my favorite topics. So um, Gerard Butler is a vampire. Need I say more? Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead, crack open the crypt, uh, lure out our illustrious vampire and let's cue the fucking music. Cue let's it. Let's do it. Cue it. <laughs> All right, so we are back. Um, as we said in the intro, we are talking about Dracula 2000, which is a movie that obviously came out in 2000. Um, it is a modern spin on Dracula, um, and features a very early on Gerard Butler as the titular character of Dracula, along with, uh, Angelina Jolie's ex, Johnny Miller, as kind of the, um, disciple of Van Helsing. And Van Helsing is played by Christopher motherfucking Plummer. Like, when I think about the fact that he's in this movie, and you hear some behind-the-scenes stuff with him and how excited he was to do this, I'm just like, they got Christopher fucking Plummer. Right. Like, period. So, but this is not... This is not your ancestors, Dracula. This is not Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, even though that obviously holds a special place in my heart. This is a modernized version, and it's playing up on themes. Um, I just did an interview not so long ago where we were talking about horror in the 90s. And one of the big things that we were talking about is how maybe as a chasm of the slashers and stuff like that in the 80s uh, there were a lot of films 
that maybe you could classify it as elevated horror or the beginning idea of elevated horror that they didn't want to actually say it was horror. Like it was a thriller or it was gothic horror. So like Francis Ford Coppola, his Dracula is violent and bloody. However, it's gothic horror and it's not necessarily, they don't want to brand it as a horror movie. It's a gothic horror or gothic literature classic. That's not the case with this Dracula movie. Not even close i mean they just kind of were like listen this is going to be a terrifying dracula this is going to be a different dracula and we're just gonna go for it and boy did they um it definitely changes up the lore of dracula and adds a lot of really new layers and that's why i think is this the most solid film when you compare it to other Dracula films? Probably not. There are some hits and some misses. However, when you're doing Dracula, you have to have a very alluring main character. Someone who is playing Dracula that is got that kind of zhuzh to them. You saw that with Gary Oldman and Francis Ford Coppola's version. We saw that, obviously, with Luke Evans, with Dracula Untold, uh, which is another underrated Dracula movie. Um, even so far as Nicolas Cage, um, Justin Renfield, like it's a horror comedy, but he had that kind of alluring yet manipulative sidespect of Dracula that's the same case with this here Gerard Butler as Zane just said when we were talking off camera is the subject of many a tangents for me right yes he forever is in your tangent thoughts so he's in my tangent thoughts because I think a lot of times he gets discounted because he goes on from here and he does Phantom and 300 and he blows up and he starts doing some like romantic comedies and different films like Gamer and Law Abiding Citizen and stuff. And I think people just didn't give him enough credit. Maybe it was because somewhere around the line he got like a womanizing type uh you know bravado put on him or what it is or the fact that you know a lot of people were like oh what could somebody who's going to be an attorney add to acting because he you know he he was he was fully like their interviews and if i find one of the interviews i'll put it in the description down below but he talks about how he was actually like studying for the bar exam um, and in a firm and he just he was like yeah this isn't going to work for me and he became an actor he's too pretty to be a lawyer lawyers can be I know I know lawyers can be pretty but he's just he's too pretty his acting is just so strong though too and that's what frustrates play, me he plays such good characters <clears throat> and when he plays them he plays them to his best ability and i think we see that early on and it's just a consistency for him i mean no matter what character he's given he plays it like it's him yeah so they're part of the behind the scenes features on the dvd was the audition tapes of certain people one of them was Gerard Butler and I don't know if it was his makeup that carried over because he had done Attila the Hun before this um which if you haven't checked it out it's I think you could find it on YouTube I'm not saying like I don't support pirated copies but I mean I I feel like it's probably for free somewhere so you could go watch it but um he is either in that makeup or they were playing around with what they wanted him to look like beforehand 
but total goth daddy vibes and is giving a incredible performance and you can understand why they went with him because they talk about this in the behind the scenes but it was just his passion his intensity it just like drew you in and I think that's a big reason why this film works is because you have to have that I mean we're talking about a man a creature that was a man that lures people in because of his seductiveness, because of his bravado, um, and really brings out maybe some of the worst intentions in people or the darker sides of people. And you need somebody who's strong to do that. And I think Gerard Butler does that very easily. And I think there's just, there's kind of a sadness to, you know, his character too, that you kind of, you, even though this is definitely a lot darker than Francis Ford Coppola's version, um, you do still kind of root for him, especially given the backstory that they gave him, because you got to think like how sad that is that he has to live with all of that now. Like he, he's not the one that got off easy and um, you still kind of root for him. Uh, which I think it's maybe that's just a problem I have. I like the morally gray characters. I, yeah, they're more fun. Yeah, I think they are. And listen, not everyone's going to be perfect. So he and may. I think that's. I think that's why morally gray characters make good villains or or darker characters. Not not villains per se but yeah we're i mean we're definitely we're seeing that now right i yeah. mean we're seeing that a lot in media where it's not just your i mean think about us growing up like you had the the black and white the, the clear-cut villain the completely dark side of but a now, person now we're getting into some characters that seem like one way but actually their intentions were a lot darker than we originally thought yeah or they were villains for a reason they have a story they were painted to be a certain way um i think that deals with a lot of it i mean we see a lot of that with book talk now too as part mm -hmm. of you know tiktok like haunting adelaide that's a book that definitely i'm listen i'm not advocating like QAnon conspiracies and stuff just saying but i mean like that's a morally great character we see the rise of loki he's a morally great character you know all of these characters that we kind of the invisible man you know at spoiler alert if you haven't seen the end of invisible man but in the end of the invisible man she becomes the invisible man she knows that while that man is alive he is still going to torment her every day of her life and so she takes that suit and kills him and walks away because she knows good that that's her. So <laughs> right that's all i gotta say good for her good for her but i mean we see those characters and you know, we've done the deep dive on Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula because it turned 30 last year. Um, We've talked about it in different interviews. I know that when I was talking about it with Ambrose Stoliker, he brought up a really good point. This is a man who very clearly was devoted to his church. So in the Francis Ford Coppola version, we see that you know, he's sent out as this dark prince that is going to save Romania and there's expectations. At what cost did that come, though? Because he ends up losing the love of his life. And to be to sit there and be told, hey, the person you love fucked up and killed herself. So she's screwed, even though you just basically saved romania and did all this crazy shit thank you but your your future bride is damned you would be upset too you would be fighting and so that's what i think draws us to dracula especially in the book because 
at first we're meant to hate him. Like we're meant to dislike him intensely. And then we start seeing the morality in him and how he wrestles with his feelings for Mina because he wants to turn her right away. But then he's like, I don't, I don't want to damn her to who I am, but I can't stay away from her. And this movie brings up a really good caveat to that, which we'll get into for a second. But Gerard Butler, Gerard Butler is a horror daddy. And I feel like I'm going to get sent a cease and desist one day for calling somebody that. I was just telling Kylie that earlier, but I have this beautiful cup that says I love horror daddies. That's part of our new collection for our stickers. We have two sticker packs coming out. One which is Witchy Woman and the other one which is Murder Barbie. And there is our Barbie saying I love horror daddies because um, there are a lot of horror daddies in the genre. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> there really is. <laughs> um, I mean, we we all like to like the bad boy. Um, Gerard Butler, yeah. his it, performance, it's just... Oh, my God. I... It took me a little bit because I'm like, why does he look familiar? And then I'm like, shit, that's a young Gerard Butler. I'm like, damn, damn. And you know, and as is... it as the movie progresses, you're just like, fuck it, I'd join him too. I mean. <laughs> After this, he goes on and he does a, two other huge performances. His breakout defining role was 300, where, I mean, that man literally carved, carved his body in order to play that character. But his character, King Leonidas, is intense in that. He's an intense man who is fighting for the people he loves, fighting for his country, and decides to do this crazy thing to try to save everyone he cares about. Phantom of the Opera, same way. He is a, I would want to say, unsocialized shut-in that kind of was rescued by a young Madame Giry from the freak show part of a carnival and ends up being left in the catacombs to his own devices and falls in love with a young Christian Dye. And um, I mean, I made my feelings known about this, but I feel like that's problematic. Like, it's problematic. Uh, Raul, he's still a fuckboy. I'm sorry. I love Patrick Wilson too. Like, Patrick Wilson, when he plays opposite Gerard Butler, like, Patrick Wilson, he's another horror daddy, but he's not jiving in Family Opera, okay? We're not getting to that point until he starts hitting the Insidious franchise, and then we're okay. But in Family Opera, like, no. And to this day, I still scream at the the screen, like, how could you, like, choose him? Like, he's this stringy little man. And you have, like, buff poor daddy Gerard Butler, like, I want to love you for the rest of your life, like, I, I still don't get it. So, I The math under- ain't mathin'. The math ain't mathin'. It is not. Like, and everyone's gonna sit there and act like it's his fault because he killed, like, who did he, he killed a predator. Like, that man was straight up trying to steal the innocence of those other ballerinas and he killed a predator. Are we really going to sit here and call it semantics? No. Like, sorry. Like, should he probably have not killed somebody? Maybe. Am I mad about it? No. So, I just, yeah. But him in this movie, he draws you in. And a big part of this movie is his relationship with Mary because he is haunting Mary the whole entire time. 
until the very end where they kind of have that confrontation and then she finds out who he really is. But that's almost seductive in itself, right? Like having this person that's been in the back of your mind your whole entire life, you think that it's just something going on. Like it's imaginary. Like for her, she thinks she's having a mental breakdown. Like she has gone to church. She's gone to therapy. She's done everything she possibly could. And then she finds out this man is actually real. And he's haunting her, kind of taunting her in a way, not even maybe taunting, but trying to lure her in. And how long do you take that until you give in? You know, right. if, you, if you're pursued by somebody and you think it's a dream, but in reality, it's not like, how long do you keep going forward with that? I don't know. Like, okay. So everyone knows I'm crazy. Hi, I'm Cassandra, Cassandra and I'm crazy. How about you? Um, that's my little diatribe for the day. Um, but I love Sleep Token. For those of you who have not listened to Sleep Token, Sleep Token is like evanescent. If you put heavy metal in a blender with some Ice Nine Kills, call it a day. There is a song called The Apparition and it's like a haunting love story and it's like, uh, you know, one of the lyrics is, why are you never real? And it's talking about like dreaming about this person, literally feeling that person and them not being there. And that's this, like I, totally when we were getting prepared for this and I heard that song, I'm like, that is completely this. Like the whole time she knows on some level that this person could be real but she's not willing to accept it until it's smack dab in her face. So, I mean, if I was getting haunted by Gerard Butler, I take it a win's a win. Win's a win. So, I don't know. I just, I have issues, people. No. I know, right? I hide it so well. Um, I mean, listen, I'm already, I like vampires to begin with. Uh, there's something, a uh, part of me that attaches to them, the idea of them and being the outsider. But then being somebody that's had such trauma as this character has and him trying to live and survive after it, there's just something about it that makes me want to root for him. Not saying that he's not a bad guy. He is obviously horribly bad but maybe he didn't get the proper socialization who knows just saying the world may never know the world may never know true so to kind of synopsize this so we can get back off from my tangent <laughs> as zane would say let's reel it in <laughs> bring it back to reality <laughs> um so Dracula 2000 is the story of Dracula being brought into modern times. And when the way we are presented with the story is um, Carfax Abbey is a like auction house um, that we learn is being ran by Van Helsing. And he is. Uh, kind of keeping a secret and we see some really weird shady stuff in the beginning of the movie we see some leeches and him getting blood we out see of some leeches. really weird you know something is going on when he takes the leeches and you know that leeches they're blood suckers kind of, yeah they're like nature's blood suckers so you're wondering kind of why Who's blood yeah what while this is going on we see a, a celine who is this character that johnny lee miller's character um is kind of smitten with well she's not what she seems she's been casing the place the whole entire time and her and her boyfriend and their motley crew are trying to rob them blind little do they know what they're robbing yeah they it's kind of be careful what you wish for 
she thinks that him having this big vault with all this extra security and everything, it's him having gold and him keeping treasure. When in reality, he's been keeping Dracula away from people. And the traps are fucking terrifying. Fucking terrifying. They're elaborate. I was surprised on how elaborate they actually were. It makes you wonder how long has he had those set? Because a lot of those are like old school, like the spikes that come down on the person, mm-hmm. you know, all the ugh, the craziness. And then the um the trophy of the skulls that he's yes. beheaded. Yeah, and you see and the teeth. The teeth, but you see the, a variation. And if you notice in the teeth where they're not all the same, Mm-mm. there's some that are four teeth that are sharp. There's two teeth. The two teeth are, are different places. And it's just a lot of time and energy went into creating these replica these skulls i mean it had to have taken them hours upon hours they were very elaborate um the skulls remind me of that picture that's always circulating on tiktok of what a child skull looks with with all the extra teeth that come in Mm -hmm. yeah before we get any further though i forgot to really point this out but um this movie includes Danny Masterson in it. He's in it for like a total of maybe 15 minutes. He gets killed off in a great way. Um, Danny Masterson, even on the set of this movie, was a creep. Um, I will link the behind the scenes there. But Danny Masterson makes a really fucking creepy comment in the behind the scenes where he's saying that Dracula is the kind of guy that could get a woman to do something that they don't want to do and get away with it. Basically is the kind of gist of what he's saying. Um, And given everything that's happened, again, we're not saying disavow this movie because of Danny Masterson. Danny Masterson is in it for 15 minutes and he dies. He is a creep in this movie. He he is a character that you do not like. And I want to make sure that we're not disavowing this movie just because of his involvement. Um, He was in it for 15 minutes. And we don't know what has happened with all the allegations and stuff. Obviously, he was just sentenced. But um, as we've said many times before, we stand behind the victims of the different situations that happen like this um, where these allegations come out. It's a very hard thing to come out and say that somebody did something to you on this level. Um, So I 100% believe that they're telling the truth. And I believe somebody's saying that until they're disproved. Um, But I just really was it when he said that in the behind the scenes. And I just think that that speaks volumes to his character. I'm just going to say that. So um, I think we need to start realizing that just because somebody seems like a nice guy, just because somebody could be like our friend to be a nice guy, doesn't mean that that doesn't make them a predator to somebody else. And doesn't mean that that doesn't make them capable of doing something like that. We all have to get with this idea that good people can do bad things too. So, um, you know, I just feel like we have to say that. um, But please watch it. (laughs) Watch the behind the scenes. And you'll see exactly what I'm saying. But that's just fucking creepy. And we don't want that negative connotation with Dracula. Dracula is not a rapist. No. <laughs> Does he seduce you? Yeah, Does he maybe make you do, do you things? want to be seduced? Listen. Who doesn't want to be seduced? Say less. Like Gerard Butler pops out from the water behind me, like in one of these see- the scene in this movie. Say less. Sign me up. I got a couple pints ready to go. 
go for it. So I'd rather, you know, listen, you need it. I got it. I could share. It's, it's okay. So, but, um, obviously they find out that it's a coffin and they think the coffin is full of gold. They get on a plane. Lo and behold, it's Dracula holding a cross covered in an iron mask that has crosses. And what does their dumbasses do? Take all of that off because it's valuable. And then they come in contact with Dracula. Uh, and Dracula takes a plane in this. Like, uh, you know, he comes on to Celine, you know, bites her. And then he fucks up the rest of them. And can we not say how impressive it was that he like shrouded them in those clouds of darkness? Like go Dracula for the weather powers there. Like go off. I'm sorry. I just find that really, I'm like, dang, that's a. That's... I'm like, yeah, I, I wish I could control the weather too. I mean, that would be a nice gift living yeah. in Ohio. <laughs> Right. Actually so, have some order to the weather. <laughs> just be like, hey hon, um, it's a little hot outside. Could you maybe drop it to like 64? Sure, you got a boo. <laughs> right. And then, just, and then just yeah. But <laughs> obviously that's how we are then introduced to Mary because Mary ends up having a hallucin what she thinks is a hallucination but really is like the mind connect that's between the two of them where he really realizes she is real like he thinks because he's been in this like blood empty psychosis that you know van helsing had left him in that which by the way that's what we find out the leeches were for the leeches were on his body and they sucked his body dry and Van Helsing used it to keep himself alive so he could keep Dracula from haunt from being unleashed on people. Well, that kind of backfires. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but you see that they obviously have this connection. And he even says that he's like, Mary, you're real. And it's in my mind, I'm thinking, well, he has. Obviously, he had to have been doing some dreaming himself in that, like, state where he was alive but not alive. And so he probably felt her the whole time. They were probably psychically connected. But he, I don't think he really knew that she was real until that moment. And so then Mary's roommate, Lucy, who, um, pause, uh, if you are a 90s kid, you know that that's fucking vitamin C. Fucking vitamin C is in this movie. And she kills it. Like, I mean, we're talking about, you know, as we grow old. Uh, if that was your graduation song, you know what I'm saying? That was not mine. Mine was The Verb by Bittersweet. Bittersweet Symphony by The Verb. Sorry. But um, vitamin C had like a bunch of different like one hit wonders in the 90s. And then she goes on and she does this. Um, which she's fantastic in and then makes me sad that she wasn't in any other horror movies because she girl killed it but um, I was like damn it's vitamin C it's vitamin C so put respect on her name vitamin C <laughs> um, you could tell that it's a Monday because I got the gigs um, but yeah I was just like vitamin C and you know vitamin C did her own dancing and stuff so like in this movie she does her own stunts like when she does the like backflip and st shit like that that's her I was like damn girl get it girl get it girl get it get it get it girl and she had fun like in the behind the scenes she's like playing with her fake dead head and I'm just like I'd be doing the same thing I'd be like Hi, Jed Cassandra. How are you? And like posing with it and like making you talk. I I could not be left to my own devices with stuff like that. <laughs> so character flaw. But um, we see that Lucy's friend, uh, Lucy, her friend, Mary's friend, 
um, has really been trying to help her come out of this. And they are living in, drumroll please, New Orleans, which I guess is like vampire capital of the world because, I mean, we got Lestat and Louis chilling out around there. Now we got Dracula about to appear up in this bitch. I mean, the originals. We, I mean, fucking vampires. So, like the fucking grandpa from <laughs> The Last Boys. That's the one thing I hate about this town. All the goddamn vampires. Damn vampires. <laughs> so, but they're living in New Orleans. So, we pan to the fact that the plane crashed in New Orleans. Um, we see Van Helsing. He has gone to, you know, come collect Dracula. And we're kind of trying to figure out why is he doing this. Um, his little protege is following after him. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy. So then we get a, like, blink if you miss it moment where Shane West, if you guys remember, a walk to remember, um he was obviously the heartthrob in there but anyways he's one of the tv people and him and the lead anchor are trying to get some shots and that's when dracula raises out of the water and i'm telling you what if that man did that i'd be like sold there are some funny behind the scenes goofs too with that because gerard butler actually did that like when they would propel him up out of the water he did that. And there were a bunch of different times where like he slipped and stuff like that. And I mean, this man, this man knew when to just give us some chef's kiss behind the scenes stuff. Cause he's like, in one take, I think he literally, he slips and he's like, fuck. He was like, okay, let's do it again. And I'd be like, yeah, that'd be me. Yeah. Yeah. I have one of those takes, don't I? I think I, where I go, ah, oh, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yep. I mean, fuck is just such a versatile word. Truly so. is. <laughs> it truly is. But um, so that's when we see him take another bride. Um, I mean, he's collecting brides like candy at this point, which is crazy because like they're I mean, like, obviously he's doing it to like liberate them, but then it's just like, okay, yeah, you're you're great and we might have a, had a fling, but this is my main bitch right here. Like, how does that hierarchy work? If it's you like got a harem, yeah, no, I'd be killed. Dracula would be deader than he already was. Like, no, polygamy is not cool, man. I, if I'm your main main girl, I'm your main girl. Like, I I don't want to share. I have enough personalities, so pick one and move on. <laughs> right. Like, like you can liberate them, just not with your penis or your fangs. Right. Like, it just public service announcement. So then we get to the fact that they got, all the bodies got taken to a town hall. We see Van Helsing there, and his protege follows him. He, they he doesn't believe that they're vampires and he's like this old man traveled with a big ass knife uh to do this and then that's when we find out that they're all vampires and celine 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 man she really is playing the you know how he had a thing for her uh for that whole time so they end up having to leave and they leave celine being the only one who we think is left alive and that's when we find out the juicy gossip, which is Van Helsing has used Dracula's blood to keep him alive this whole entire time, but didn't think about the fact that he probably shouldn't have procreated with said blood and ends up creating the perfect mate for Dracula and his daughter, Mary. So, oops. See. <laughs> I know like how, <laughs> how how could you imagine having that explained to you like you were created to be the perfect mate for Dracula because your dad Sold. 
I mean, I'd be into it, but some people <laughs> might have to be talked into it. I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's why they are connected is because they're connected through his blood. And she is the only other one other than Dracula that was not bitten, but born. So... I mean, we get a great scene later where he says the same to the effect. And I mean, like, horror daddy vibes. I feel like I need a sticker that says that horror daddy vibes. Um, but, you know, we start to see now, though, that he is actively pursuing Mary. So he shows up to her work, tries to fire, find her finds Lucy instead which is funny because in that scene if you look vitamin C's records are in the back behind her um which I think is kind of funny that they like put that back in there but um easter egg moment uh but so she instantly is attracted to him you see his attract like his appeal to everyone around like all the women are just like frothing at the mouth for him and uh, he goes and has, uh, you know, is like, hey, yeah, take me back to your place. I want to see uh, Mary. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, so they go back to her place. And Zane, your mom's a Peanuts character uh, fan. So it makes yes. me giggle that in this movie... He's like, uh, you know, he's trying to talk about names and, you know, the meaning behind it. And she was like, I was named after a Peanuts character. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So then they have sex. There's some float, floating, levitating, earth shattering moment. And then Lucy, uh, you know, she's into it, and then Mary gets a front row seat to the whole thing and sees it, like, telepathically and is like, yeah, that's some fucked up shit. So then she tries to go find Lucy. That's when she runs into her dad's protege, and he ends up coming face-to-face -face with Celine's boyfriend, who he may have stabbed in the eye and is now coming for revenge. And then there's a whole thing... And the part of never fuck with an antique stealer. That, you know. Yeah, that was a, <laughs> that a was solid line. That was an improvised line. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess go off. You know. Whatever. Uh, but in the meantime... Christopher Plummer's character of Abraham Van Helsing comes face to face with Dracula and gets his shit rocked. And Dracula is pretty much like, she's my Mary now. And good old daddy Van Helsing, he doesn't make the cut. So Mary comes home, finds everything in disarray. And then finds her dear old dad decapitated, which is horrendous. That's probably the worst part of the whole movie is because you really get the sense that he was trying to be a good dad. But his duty to keep this creature away from everyone came above his daughter and his wife. And so there are some journal entries that we hear later about that. So then that's when Mary comes face to face with not only her friend Lucy, but all the other vampire brides and gets taunted by them, which I mean, jealous much. Like, just because you guys are the side pieces doesn't mean you have to go after her. So. Don't hate on her just because she's beautiful. Um, Which the girl who plays Mary is fucking gorgeous. She is rocking the short hair the whole entire time like i this movie probably was giving a ton of people the idea that they could rock short hair like that 
because I mean the whole time she's just looking gorgeous with that like uh cut and she's just gorgeous you're gorgeous ma'am you're gorgeous so but we get a whole Dracula turns into a wolf he turns into a wolf follows after her and then turns into a bunch of bats freaking bats so they we go to bats. We love bats. We love bats. They go to the church. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Mary now realizes that she can say things in Aramaic and read in Aramaic because he can read Aramaic. And that's like a whole other thing. So then there's a chase that ensues. She hides in a crypt. He finds her, tells her basically, you're mine. And that's it. I mean, I guess she fights it, but I would be like, soul, check, please. Like, put it down. So we get to the part where obviously then Protégé is looking for Mary. Mary is on a rooftop with Dracula. And we find out the one thing that Dracula has not told anyone which is who Dracula really is. He is not Vlad Tempish as previously thought to be. He is the ultimate betrayer. He is Judas Iscariot. And he became a vampire to pay for his sins against God. Which is why he has the aversions he does to such religious, iconic imagery. And so... He kind of makes Mary choose this life. They make out a little bit. I'm jealous. So it looked like it was fun. But then Mary decides to, to betray the ultimate betrayer. And instead of killing uh, Van Helsing's assistant, she fakes biting him and starts an all-out war. And her and Dra I mean, her and Dracula are like WWEing it up man like they truly are i mean they're throwing each other at different things he throws her up against the cross at one point in time at the end of it though he you know he she hangs him again because that's what happened the first time is because he couldn't deal with the fact that he had betrayed jesus that he hung himself and the rope snapped and that's what made him immortal. So she sets him up to hang again and she goes over with him. And it's sad though, because you do tell that he, he does love her. He loves her enough to let her go. So that way, when she like falls down and stuff, she isn't going to burn up to a crisp like him. Um, He lets her go. And he realizes he can't condemn her the same way that he condemned himself to be. And it's just sad. Like it, it really, it really is because you kind of get the feeling that the whole entire time he just wanted somebody to love him, like love the real him. And he felt like that was Mary. And then he's dead. And then her and Johnny Miller, uh, Lee Miller's character, just right off into the sunset as her taking over Carfax Abbey and going forth. And I'm like, damn. That sucks. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's Dracula 2000. Um, again, I'm not anyone who synopsizes movies. Um, I probably made way too many inappropriate jokes. It's okay. That's, that's our thing, though. That's our thing, definitely. But yeah, I mean, the whole idea of this movie was brought on by that thought. What would make Dracula adversely affected by religious iconic imagery? Right. Well, if he was the original betrayer, that would be it. But it's just so much more like, you know, this is set in New Orleans for a reason. And that's why I think a lot of vampire 
lore is like interview with a vampire and you know uh the originals just all kinds of it's because that's the sin city and, and you know who would naturally be attracted to that somebody that has something like a vampire so um i think it's a perfect setting the music in this is on a whole other level too like you know you see the one point dracula is looking up at the virgin um screen uh for the virgin music store and it's playing um the i forget what song it's playing uh but that he's like fantastic fantastic and he's just like obsessed with it because it's like titties and you know all the stuff that gives him a good gig giggle good giggle um but i think that's a perfect like think about it our time would be much more conducive for dracula than the original setting of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like we have less of a inhibited society, I think was the way we would say it. If you think of it that way. Um, And we have more people that are just trying to be free and finding themselves. And how does that look like? So it's very interesting. Um, what do you think about the relationship between Dracula and Luth, uh, Mary? I thought it was a good idea. Like, did, did you think it was a good idea that he's more kind of haunting her in this, this time? Um, yes and no actually more yes i think that she was more haunted than um in this movie than she was in francis Forcopulus. yeah i mean in the dracula you know they even say we it. saw more of the um, what had happened between him and Lucy in Dracula 2000 than we did in uh, Francis Forcopulus. We saw a more intimate version of what happened than previous version. Yeah, um, you know in one part of the movie they say you know it's this isn't the dracula that was the the ravings of a mad irishman which is clearly a dig at bram stoker um but they in this more or less this movie dracula feels entitled to her because she is of his blood and so it's not like Francis Ford Coppola's version where Mina is the disembodied soul of his former love. This is somebody who was wholly created to be just for him. him. And in a way is kind of the thing that he wanted the most, which is somebody who was just like him. And so he goes with that idea. And I think instead of trying to seduce her in more ways, like he does with the brides and stuff, he's being more honest with her and being like, this is who I am. And I want you, I lust for you, but I don't have to pretend with you because you will actually know the real me. Because you are part of me. Where I think in other iterations, it's not that way. Because again, it's the disembodied soul of 
it's separate but not separate yeah definitely so the the song that played on the jumbotron that i was talking about is heads explode by monster magnet which is funny because in the korean version because they didn't want um to show that they play one step closer by lincoln park which i think would have been cool to see that (laughs) dracula reacting to that one um but uh in i don't know if you realize this but in the background of the house where lucy and mary live which by the way fucking gorgeous 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 house like i need a tour (laughs) yes like she was like i love how they're like we need to make it a little bit more less catholic i'm like yeah catholic or not i would like that house regardless like it's a big beautiful victorian i don't care if there was crosses hanging in the bathroom i would still be there like it is what it is um the metal i don't know if you see the metal hanging letters that are on the wall when you're in lucy and mary's house like especially when he's seducing lucy um i always wondered what those are because it's l r u s e but it actually is supposed it's like an acronym to like mislead you to spell cruel so i don't know that's kind of an interesting i always wondered what that was but it definitely seems like that that was not intended. But um, I think it's funny that he she goes, would you like anything to drink? Like coffee? And he's like, I don't drink coffee, which obviously is clearly a reference to the original Dracula where he's like, I don't drink wine because he drinks people's blood. Um, I just think it's, hilarious um there are definitely um so i've seen power man that uh, 5000 i wondered where that song was from always and it was from dracula 2000 which now i can live my fantasy saying that um i'm looking for there was just a lot that was done on this film like you go in the behind the scenes a lot of the people did their own stunts. The heads, they made actual molds of the heads. People were playing with their heads. It was hilarious. Um, I don't know how you couldn't take that that way. Like, I would be that person that'd be like, oh, look at my head. I don't know. I just think it's funny, but I don't know. Like, what is your take on this? Because obviously this is a very different Dracula than what we're used to. Yeah. Um, I think <clears throat> Dracula 2000 gave a revitalization of the character to where we can see different variations of his story. Um because if I'm not mistaken, there was um, the similar idea of having him be the original betrayer, Judas, was played on a couple years later in um, an epi- I think it was in an episode of um something to do with um like the occult museum or something like that um i forget the name of the show but um that was uh where they had vampires in that episode and um it's just something that and moving on it's just it's no i get what you're saying they do kind of they we get to see throughout the years different variations and i i would like to think that that was attributed to dracula 2000 being the starter for a different story yeah dracula 
And now we need to remember the biggest thing in this is Wes Craven produced this film. Uh, this is Wes Craven off a of screen. And Wes Craven was told, like as we learned doing the deep dive of Scream, that he had lost his edge. So that's when he came back with Scream. And we see Wes Craven kind of dabbling in different things. Like Cursed was another film that came around this time that kind of went hand in hand with like a different idea on a werewolf. This is a different idea on Dracula. He kind of was playing around. So the, the effects are attributed, obviously, to then Wes Craven being the producer because he helped bring in a lot of the special effects team. I mean, the special effects are crazy in this. This is definitely not your ancestor's Dracula. This is not... I mean, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula was bloody, but this is like... This is uh, gore. Yeah, well, I mean... On the this, edge. On the edge. Yeah. Of gore. This, not... This is horror. Done. Like, this is not gothic horror. This is horror. Like, this is yeah. true just horror. Like, there are decapitations. I mean, it definitely balances itself out. And it's a fast-paced movie. It's going pretty quickly. Um, another thing, I do believe what you're saying is true, though, because if you think about this, then after, we have a couple different variations that mix that in. So then there was um, another Dracula movie, which I love which is uh, Dracula Dark Prince, um, which has Luke Roberts. And he, again, was a Romanian knight, but he was a descendant of Cain, like Cain and Abel. And they had this weapon called the Lightbringer that could kill an immortal being or, you know, stop life from being taken. And that's kind of this idea, too, from Dracula. But then you also see that there was a really good show, Dracula, um, that was done with John Reese Myers on NBC. And again, he was Vlad Tepish, obviously, but it was more or less he was revolutionizing the way that his country was thinking. And because of that, very oppressive forces end up killing his wife in front of him and making him a vampire because of the fact that he was trying to radicalize his area, his region that he was taking care of. So we see this in different ones. And you get that iconic imagery too, as well with Dracula Untold, because Dracula Untold, like, you know, he, he goes off and he's a slave to the Ottoman Empire for years, comes home and then they want a whole other generation of children. And he's like, in order to save my family, this is what I have to do. And he it, he turns his back on God and ends up going to the elder vampire for help. But yeah, we do see this after. And I do think that this could be a chasm for it. I would have loved to see um, Wes Craven take on vampires more often. I think he, even in the producer role as this, he, you could tell that he had a hand in shaping some of this um, to the way it looked. But I think he would have had great ideas. Wes Craven was a visionary and um, our world is a little better, especially our horror world with Wes Craven's creations. Um, so RIP Wes Craven, we love you. Um, but uh, this is just a solid, it's for anyone who loves Francis Ford Coppola's version, but wondered what that would look like in, in today's maybe, setting. Yeah. Well, and it maybe, would have been 2000 setting, but. Yeah, but also like maybe can we say like a spicy romance book version? Yeah. So I think that's this. Um, Gerard Butler, I'm sorry. Don't send a cease and desist on me. Okay. I'm just, I like your acting. Keep doing what you're doing, sir. Um, and obviously, you know, you're just, you're just nice to look at. I'm sorry. Okay. Don't mean that to be creepy. He has beauty and he has brains. Yeah. Like he was about to be an attorney. Like that is attractive as shit. Like, honestly, <laughs> like kudos to you. Um, if you like Dracula 2000, there are a lot of other 
Dracula movies that have different takes. Um, one most recently, I watched Sharkula. That was very interesting. <laughs> um, that's not something that's in this made. Uh, but um, Shark. Shark Dracula. Still can't get over that. Um, we love you, Steve, though. Keep doing what you're doing on Bucket Chum. Um, but there will be some movies down in the description below that are kind of like Dracula 2000. So if you like this movie and you want to go on a Dracula tangent for other movies that are in this vein, I got you. I'm your girl. We'll list those in the below. But um, last thoughts on Dracula 2000. Love it. Yeah, it's iconic. Uh, listen, the reason we did this movie is this was, this is what ruined me in my high school years for boys in my area. Like after watching this movie, I'm like, I don't need to be dating silly little fuck boys that are from my area. I just need to keep watching Dracula 2000 and wait for the right one. So thank you, Gerard Butler, for helping me not waste my time. <laughs> <laughs> You're appreciated. Um, but no, I, you know, I just, I loved it. I loved it and I watch it. I still watch it all the time. I'll put it on while I'm doing stuff. Um, it's just hauntingly beautiful and it's sad. It is like you do it really is. root for Gerard Butler and the fact that, you know, I understand he's the original betrayer, but like, how would it feel to be that person? And you kind of get to see that. So um, go check this movie out. It's fantastic. It's worth a watch. Like we always say, it's worth a watch. Mm -hmm. So um, until next time, though, it's me, Cassandra, with my horror daddy mug, which is Gerard Butler approved. Um, we don't know if it's Gerard Butler approved, but I think Gerard Butler would approve of this. And Zane. And we are out. Stay spooky, spooky. friends. Bye. Bye. Bye.